shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Yes, for the samples, because seasonal allergies are no joke in the state of Tennessee. Or Kentucky, where I spend the summers at Hopetown. I spend most of the summer outdoors and could not function without allergy relief. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. You just described my exact state in waking up minus the need for coffee. (laughs) I've been taking Claritin D for my allergies for years, and it's been an absolute life changer. I can be outside with the kids at camp without my eyes watering like a fountain, and I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. But at Hopetown, a frog could jump into your boat or your bed, (laughs) and Claritin can't really help with that. That's true, but they've got allergies covered. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Welcome to the Raising Boys and Girls podcast. I'm Sissy Goff. I'm David Thomas. And I'm Melissa Trevathan. And we're so glad you've set aside a few minutes to spend with us today. In each episode of this podcast, we'll share some of what we're learning in the work we do with kids and families on a daily basis at Daystar Counseling in Nashville, Tennessee. Our goal is to help you care for the kids in your life with a little more understanding, a little more practical help, and a whole lot of hope. So pull up a chair and join us on this journey from our little yellow house to yours. David, I am so excited. Kathleen and I got tickets to see Little Big Town, and I can't wait. The only problem is Aaron's out of town, so we need to find childcare. I'm usually the one watching the boys, but I want a night out with my sister. Well, Sissy, it seems obvious what you need to do. You need to go to care.com right now and find yourself a sitter. That's our plan. We feel great about using care.com because all of their caregivers are required to complete a background check before they interact with families on the platform. I'm so glad care.com is available to support families and sisters who just need a girl's night out. I wish we had care.com when my kids were little. Care.com makes it so easy to find not only babysitters, but tutors, dog walkers, house cleaners, and more. I know Connie would love to find some help around the house, and Owen wouldn't mind a fresh face giving him a walk around the block. (laughs) Sounds like we both need to go to Care.com today. Sign up now at Care.com and see why over 3 million families use this amazing platform. Get the help you need to plan that special night out at Care.com. That's C-A-R-E dot com. Austin Channing Brown is a media producer, author, and speaker providing inspired leadership on racial justice in America. She is the New York Times and USA Today bestselling author of I'm Still Here, Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness, and CEO of Herself Media. 
Her workshops are incisive, fun, disarming, and transformative. By using an intentional mix of humor, pop culture, storytelling, and audience engagement, she awakens people to the current realities of systemic racism and the everyday actions which make it possible. Whether she is being interviewed, lecturing, preaching, or leading a workshop, Austin is sure to evoke thought, feeling, and action as she celebrates blackness and the possibility of justice in our organizations, teams, and community. To find all of Austin's work, go to austinchanning.com. We will have links to everything in our show notes. Awesome. We are so grateful for your voice in the world and the way you are changing the way we see in terms of racial justice and what our world is today and what it can be. So thank you for the difference you're making on a daily basis in this world. My pleasure. We're so honored to get to talk with you and ask you some questions about all of that. And before we even get started, I Mm -hmm. loved reading about your name. Yes. (laughs) Because we think names are really important. And so will you talk a little bit about how you got your name and how it's impacted who you are? Oh, oh, yeah. We could spend the whole next hour talking about that. (laughs) Yeah. So my name is Austin, which... I knew was strange even at a young age. I wasn't entirely sure why, but I was pretty sure that I had a boy's name. And the way I was pretty sure was because whenever we were in class on like the first day of school and someone would call my name, the teacher would call my name for the first day of roll call, they would immediately look at all the boys. And I would have to do jumping jacks, (laughs) you know, like I'm over here. And then also when I was growing up late 80s, early 90s, we decided to personalize everything. Right. right? So there were like the slapstick bracelets and the coffee mugs (laughs) and the little teeny tiny keychains that, you know, the license plates. I don't know what you're (laughs) supposed to do with them, but right. Everything had our names on it. Yes. And if Austin was present, Austin was always blue. Oh, makes sense. So I was like, okay, apparently I have a boy's name and... It was mildly annoying, but you know, whatever. Until this day that I go to the library with my mom, we lived at the library, funded it single-handedly. It was amazing. And so I go to the checkout to check out my new stack of books. And I am totally expecting the librarian to tell me how much I owe before I can check out my books. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm the fine, then you can get more. (laughs) And instead she says, is this your library card? We kind of treated library cards like trading cards, like whoever's card has the lowest fine on it, that's the one we're going to (laughs) use. And so I was hesitant, right? I was like, well, like, I think I handed you mine, but it's possible that it's not. So I'm hesitant, right? And my answer. And she says, this card says Austin on it. I said, yes, I'm Austin. That's my card. I see what's happening here. You're surprised that I'm not a boy. She looks at me. She looks at the screen. She looks at the card and she's like, are you sure this is your card? Wow. And I'm thinking, I didn't I just answer this question? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I just answered this question. And the way that she says it sounds almost like maybe I stole it, right? Like it's wow. suspicious the way that she's asking me, is this your card? Mm. And eventually I get a little attitude. I'm like, my name is Austin. That's my card. <laughs> Can Good I have my library books? Is there a rash of people stealing library books? Like, <laughs> what is happening right now? I do not understand. So I march over to my mother once I finally get my little books. And I'm like, Ma, why? Why did you give me this name? People are confused by it all the time. Tell me why. 
And she sits me down and she starts to tell me where my name actually comes from. And it's a family name. It's my great-grandmother's last name. But I cut her off. I'm like, mommy, I know that. That's not my question. I'm not asking where it came from. I'm asking why you thought this is the one. (laughs) (laughs) And she said to me, Austin, if you had been born a boy, you would have just been a junior. But we never determined what girl's name we would use. And so we're sitting in the hospital trying to come up with the girl's name. And one of us says, Austin, out loud. And we realized immediately that anyone who hadn't met you, anyone who was just seeing your name on a piece of paper, will assume that you're a white man. Wow. That's what I said. Yeah. I'm <laughs> I, was, sure. I was like, um, okay. She keeps going and she says, Austin, one day you're going to have to fill out applications for like school or college or a job. And she said, your father and I just wanted to make sure you could get to the interview. Wow. We just want to make sure you could get to the interview. Now, friends, the only application I had ever filled out was probably for the library card in my hand, right? So some (laughs) of this is going over my head, Right. right? But what I do realize is that every single time, it doesn't happen often, but every single time someone is like calling out the name Austin in public and they're not talking to me, Mm. who they are talking to is a white boy. Mm. Mm. It was the first time that I realized that, right? Like I'm scrolling through this (laughs) memory index in my mind, realizing, oh, people aren't just surprised I'm not a boy. They were also expecting someone white. So I'm not meeting the criteria on any level (laughs) when I show up. And it finally made sense why people had such strong reactions to my name. Mm. How has it impacted my life? Well, it works. (laughs) It works. I can think of very few interviews that I've had where in the middle of the interview, someone hasn't commented on my name and told me that they were expecting someone very different. I see the looks between people, like right when I walk in the door, the poor person who has to come get me for the interview, y'all. Oh, (laughs) that poor person. (laughs) Because for three seconds, they're like, did we invite the wrong person? (laughs) 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 Having an internal panic attack. That's so good. And I think the reason why I tell this story is because I have known for a very long time, right, since I was seven or eight, that the idea that America is colorblind is not true. Mm. Because if America was racially colorblind, there would be no reaction when I show up. No one would comment on it. No one would be surprised. No one would have to talk about it. No one would treat me suspiciously, Mm -hmm. right? It would be a complete non-issue. But I see the looks on people's faces when I show up and they are now reassessing their expectations of me. Mm. And there are a lot of people of color who experience this, but because the reaction isn't as strong, right? They're not always believed. Oh, yeah. And so my ability to say, oh, oh no. <laughs> Let I, me tell you, I, right. People's faces change, I think is just very helpful for people of color who know that this is happening, but don't always have the physical evidence that I carry in my name. I hope that librarian is still around and that you have like blown away her perspective, expectations, all the things. 
I genuinely remember nothing about her. And also shout out to that little library because I love that library. I still love that library. Mm. But yeah, it seemed fitting actually that because I spent so much time in a library, right? That it was also the place where I would learn something so major about the world. Exactly. Yes. Wow. Austin, anyone who knows you, who knows your work, knows what meaningful, life-giving things you are doing in this Mm -hmm. world. And we would love to just ask you, when is the first time you remember wanting to make a difference? And when is the first time you remember experiencing the difference that you could make? I really want to tell like some amazing story, (laughs) but the... have them, right? Yes. But the true answer to the question is probably in elementary school mm. when there was a kid who was being bullied at school. He was probably neurodivergent. Obviously, I wouldn't have had that language, at, you know, in 1990, but that's my guess looking back on it. And no one would sit with him at lunch and people would make fun of him. I remember picking up my trait and moving to his table to go sit with him because it made me so angry that people would be so mean Mm. to him. I just could not wrap my mind around it. And I think from that moment on, I was sort of always looking for the people who were left out, the people who were like weird, the people who didn't fit. And eventually that sort of morphed into justice work, right? Because that meant, oh, also there are people who are homeless and also there are people who don't have food and also there are people, right? And it just sort of grew and grew and grew until it morphed into a real passion for racial justice in particular. Mm. Wow. Well, we're so grateful it did. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) It is a huge part of my life. Yes, yes. Well, and ours as a result. Mm. Sissy, there is no doubt education is changing, and now more than ever, kids need more than a one-size-fits-all learning experience, which is why I love telling our listeners about Ethos School. As a Christian online school, Ethos understands the responsibility parents feel to ensure their child develops academically, socially, and spiritually. Maybe you want to homeschool your child, but the thought of mapping your child's academic path to prepare them for college feels overwhelming. Ethos partners with parents to shape their children as whole people, offering over 100 relational, high-quality online courses for 4th through 12th grade students, including multiple world language, math, dual credit, and advanced placement options, and weekly live time with a teacher and classmates. At Ethos, families can choose either a single course or a full course schedule when they enroll their child. Right now, Ethos School is offering to waive the $95 enrollment fee for our podcast listeners, plus a complimentary academic counseling session to plan your child's academic journey. Visit ethosschool.org slash RBG or click the link in our show notes to take advantage of the waived enrollment fee offer and to plan your child's educational journey with an Ethos academic counselor. Visit ethosschool.org slash RBG today. Sissy, we just spoke in town last night and reminded the parents in the room about putting on their oxygen mask first. That great reminder that flight attendants give parents when they board flights. With summer rolling around and kids home more hours of the week than ever, that reminder feels so important. 
A hilarious dad who works from home told me last night at the book table that when school ends, sometimes his sanity does as well. (laughs) You know who could help that dad out? Our friends at Wendy. Wendy is here to help parents relieve the stress in finding high quality sitters when they need them. I am talking daily with parents who are worried about summer childcare logistics. Wendy offers a nanny service where they match college students with families for the summer. We all love summer, and your kids especially love summer, but we lose the consistent schedule of kids in school. This creates all kinds of problems. Thankfully, there is a solution to this problem. Wendy, that's W-Y-N-D-Y, is an app that connects families to college student nannies literally in minutes. These college student nannies are background checked, interviewed, and honestly, just awesome. Wendy has been around for seven years. Over 20,000 families have used Wendy to complete more than 140,000 jobs. There are hundreds of qualified college student nannies on Wendy ready to work near you. Families have greater child care needs in the summer and college students are looking for jobs. Wendy is here to match families to these college nannies. Everybody wins. This could be part-time or full-time. Wendy has a match for your needs. All you have to do is go to wendy.com slash rbg to start a search for a nanny. And as a special offer, they are going to knock $50 off your search if you go through that link. Wendy provides top-notch service, but at a fraction of the cost of a traditional nanny agency and no ongoing fees. Here's how it works. Go to wendy.com slash rbg to start your search. A Wendy concierge will find great matches for your job and set up interviews for you. You choose the one you like. Get started now because there are a lot of parents out there looking for nannies for the summer. Go to wyndy.com slash rbg. You've written a New York Times bestselling book called I'm Still Here, Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness. We'd love to hear what led you to write that book and what you hope people will gain from reading it. (laughs) Being fired. That's what happened. I got fired. (laughs) And that really shook me up, you know, as a student who was, you know, an A plus student who was always the well-liked. We love having her in our class. That person. I could not figure out why all the skills that I had used and developed in school didn't translate to the workplace. In school, I had figured out how to be charming. I loved education. I loved school. And I really thought that having sort of, quote unquote, overcome being the odd one out would translate into the workplace. And I realized at some point that there is something particular about education that allowed me to be a disruptor in a way that the workplace was not quite so fond of. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought as someone who thought she had slayed, you know, the whiteness dragon, right? Thought I had avoided it, thought I had figured out, thought I could work my way around it, right? If even I, with my background being in predominantly white spaces, could not figure out how to navigate white workplaces, surely I was not alone. And because of my racial justice background, 
I felt like I had the language to wrap around my experience Mm. because after a while you begin to feel like you're losing your mind Mm. because everyone else's reality is so different from my reality. And so I really, really wrote, I'm still here for other black women and people of color to say, I know Mm. (laughs) like you're not making it up. This is really happening. That person really said that to you. Yes, it's the fifth time someone has forgotten your name or mixed you up with someone else who looks nothing like you, right? You're not making it up. This is real and this is happening. And that was the primary goal for I'm Still Here. The second thing that I really wanted to do was to give white allies or accomplices or whatever language you prefer, to give them a window into what everyday racism looks like. Because I feel like there are so many, particularly three or four years ago, there were so many white people who are like, I'm pretty sure this is happening in my life, but I can't nail it down. I get it when it's in the documentary. I get it when it's a statistic. I get it that there are lots of ways they're not trying to be convinced, right? They believe that racial injustice is real, but seeing it in their own workplace or in their Mm. own family or in their own organization seemed to be a bit of a miss. And so I was hopeful that by sharing these stories that also white allies could go, oh, I get it. and could then be able to do something right where they are. Mm -hmm. What a gift. Mm -hmm. What a gift. And We are incredibly excited about a new gift you are offering to the world. It's a book for teens. Oh, I'm so excited about it. We are too, (laughs) called I'm Still Here Loving Myself in a World Not Made for Me. What made you decide to write a book for kids? And what do you hope teenagers gain from it? Yeah, you know, in this most recent, I'll call it era, this most recent era of conversation around race in America, one of the very popular questions that gets asked is, when should you start talking to your kids about race? Yes. Right? And it's a question I understand if you're not a person of color. Because if you're not a person of color, you have options for when you can start talking about race. But I don't know very many people of color who aren't thinking about race as soon as they know they're going to have a child, like my parents, who were sitting in a hospital room trying to figure out what to name me for the 20 years later when I would be trying to fill out an application. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing as not thinking about it. But even for me as a kid, there were so few places to talk about it, to talk about my experience as the only Black girl, to talk about the way teachers would receive me or not, right? To talk about my classmates and either the wonderful things that they did, the helpful things they did, or the almost traumatic things that were happening. And so I really, really wanted to bend over, right? I wanted to bend down. I wanted to get on my knees and say, I see you. In the adult version, there's a lot of workplace situations. There's things that happened as an adult that I was trying to work my way through. And I really wanted to go back and fill in some of the gaps that were in elementary school, that were in high school, that formed who I was before I knew who I would become, Mm. right? And that felt really important for all the young people out there who don't yet know who they'll be or what they'll be, 
but know that there are racial realities happening right now. And I wanted to be able to speak to that. Mm. Just so grateful for that. And thinking about, I know you've done a lot of research at this point on kids and race, and you already kind of spoke to when the conversation begins. But as far as helping kids understand about racism and even preventing it in our own homes, what would you say to parents? I wish I knew what the person who said this, I don't know their name, but I have a girlfriend who was listening to a podcast similar Mm -hmm. to yours. So it's all about like raising kids Mm -hmm. and recognizing that they're human, you know, all those things. How do we help parents, right? Mm -hmm. Recognize the humanity of their kids. And the topic was on race that day. And that same question was asked. So particularly of white families, right? So I'm a white mom. I want my kid to be anti-racist. We want an anti-racist household. When do we start this conversation, Mm -hmm. right? And how. And how. Listen. And the person said, you should start when they're six months old. And the hosts were like, I'm sorry, what? Six months? (laughs) What are you saying right now? And the person being interviewed said, yes, six months not for your child, for you. Because mm. you need to start practicing right now. Mm. You need to start developing that language. You need to start searching for the books. You need to start preparing yourself for these conversations that are going to be, hopefully, lifelong conversations. Mm. <sighs> yes. Isn't that so I good? I love that. So rich. I it's love so that. good. I yes. love that so much because... It mirrors what is happening with communities of color, Mm. right? Now, granted, we have generations of thinking and talking about this. Mm -hmm. But when we become parents, we are immediately thinking about how we are going to explain all the things to our children. And at, at what age? What is the timing? What are the ways that we give ourselves a head start? Mm. And it makes sense that white folks who aren't necessarily as practiced right. in having these conversations mm-hmm. would have to start sooner rather than later. Yes. So it isn't about at what age is your child ready. The real question is, have you done the work to make your child ready? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so, so in keeping with everything we talk about with parents, you know, whether it's Helping our kids regulate, we got to regulate first. Helping our kids navigate anxiety, we've got to manage our own. Mm-hmm. It's just so keeping that exactly. it really all starts yeah. with us. So thank you for that reminder. Mm-hmm. And along those lines, Austin, in this season of the podcast, we are focusing on raising emotionally strong and worry-free kids. Yes. And would love to ask you, what is a favorite memory or story from growing up that shaped you into who you are? Yeah, my <laughs> my father... He had this ritual with us when we started leaving the house, not just for school, but for like birthday parties or our first sleepover or, you know, things like that. We were going to leave and he wasn't going to be present, right? We had a little bit of freedom. (laughs) And before we would leave the house, he would say, who are you? Mm. And it was our responsibility to respond with our last name. So my maiden name, I am a price. I am a price. And I don't remember, friends, him ever explaining like what that meant or like I don't remember him teaching us to Mm. do that. I just remember in my response, right, and repeating my last name, his last name, 
that that meant I was supposed to show up. It meant I didn't get to like lose my mind, right? I didn't get to <laughs> pretend that I am not born of him, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, but it also meant that I don't have to let people walk all over me. It meant so much. It meant that I am confident in who I am. It just really grounded me. Mm. It was a way to show up and be myself, even when being myself wasn't popular because I'm a price and this is what we do. Mm. And so that is definitely like both the first and probably the most consistent Yes, every time you left the of house. my childhood. Uh, That's right. Every time he'd be like, Who are you? And I'd be like, I'm a price. I'm a price, Daddy. I'm a price. Mm. <laughs> what a great reminder. I love that our parents did things like that too and never explained them. It was just part of Exactly. Yeah, I I have no recollection of him saying, Now this is what this means. Right. Right. Yes. I just knew this yeah. is who we are. Yeah. And to this day, my nickname is still Price. That, that's what he has taught me for as long as I can remember that that's my nickname. Oh, I'm sure he is so <laughs> proud of you. I hope so. I'm trying. Yes. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> So in light of all the people that you're impacting, us included out there, you're also impacting significantly the life of a little guy. Yeah. And my sweet boy. Yes. How old is he? He is five. Five. Mm. That's such a yeah, fun so He's age. still little. Yes. Oh, he's magical. Yes. I love it so much. Well, we need to send you a copy. David's got some great books about boys. Please do. We need to we'll send, send you some. Yes, we will. Please do. I, will. Really, I would love them. For sure. <laughs> Please yes, send you will. them my way. So thinking about emotionally strong and worry-free and wanting, that's what we're mm. wanting so much for kids right now. What do you think helps kids move that direction? And even what are you doing to help him move that direction these days? Woo. You know, one of the consistent things that we do, he is at the age where anytime he is being disciplined, anytime there's like redirection, mm-hmm. anytime there's a correction of behaviors that we do not want to see, right? His immediate response is, oh, you don't like me. Oh, I must be a bad boy. Mm. I'm not a good boy. Mm. And he's trying to use language, right? He now asks, so now you're mad at me? Smart fella. All we have done is asked a question, Mm. right? We haven't Mm -hmm. haven't implied anything, right? We're Mm -hmm. like, like the other day we picked him up from school and he seemed to be in a little bit of a funk. And we're like, babe, are you Okay. And he was like, oh, so now you're mad at me? Hmm. I was like, no, sweetie pie, we're concerned that you're mad. Like, are uh-huh. you are you all right? And so I feel like one of the things that we're doing is not ignoring those moments. Mm. That we are very intentional about pausing and stopping and saying, of course we like you. In fact, we love you. We adore you. You're our favorite person on the planet. Mm. And also, when I tell you to turn off the TV, turn off the TV. Right. <laughs> right. Good right. for you. Good for you. Right? But we recognize that there are these like big emotions that are coming up for him. Mm. And we don't want to ignore those, right? We don't want to ignore those in the midst of the correction. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know? Yes. And we're, we're hopeful. He's five, friends. So I could come back in 10 years and be like, that did not work. Right. <laughs> but that's what we're you know, like, I don't know. 
but we're trying, right? We're trying really hard to recognize where he is emotionally and speak to that and affirm and to grow that same confidence Mm. in our love for him. So we'll see, friends. That's that's what we're doing today. <laughs> well, I love that you're doing that. I have a four-year-old nephew that I am around a lot mm-hmm. these days, and he does the exact same thing, same statements. And I bounce back and forth between feeling so sad when he says it and wanting to affirm him and thinking, you are really manipulating me right now. And, mm-hmm. and I love that you're answering both. I really like yes. you and I exactly. love you, but we're going to turn off the TV right yeah, now. Yes. Go in both yeah, directions. Like you, yes. you need to listen to what I'm saying. Adore yes. you. <laughs> I think you're amazing human. And also, you need to go sit in your room for 10 minutes (laughs) because that was not okay. (laughs) So good. David, do you remember me telling you that Henry got so excited about the box Haya sent me? He loves the vitamins and had a ball decorating his own bottle with stickers at my house. I do. I love that he keeps vitamins at your house. And it's one less thing to pack when he stays with you. Me too, except I keep having to refill the bottle. Oh no, is he sneaking them? No, I keep it high on a shelf. Oh yeah, I saw it at your house when we taught the virtual parenting class on Monday. I know you did, and I think you've been eating the vitamins. Are you sure it wasn't Lucy? Nope, not Lucy. Okay, fine. It was me. (laughs) But they taste great. And remember, Haya is designed for kids of all ages. I think you hardly qualify as a kid anymore. I'm a kid at heart. Okay, I'll stop sneaking the vitamins. (laughs) I just figured that if Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full-body nourishment kids need, then surely the same was true with adults. Formulated with the help of nutritional experts, Haya is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and veggies, then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals, including vitamin D, B12, C, zinc, folate, and many others to help support immunity, energy, brain function, mood, concentration, teeth, bones, and more. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com RBG. The deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com RBG and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Well, and to that great story, emotions are a big part of what we talk about on this podcast and obviously in our counseling. Yes. And we love how you talk about turning our emotions to something constructive, particularly Mm. anger. Yes. In your book, I'm Still Here, you say, I love this quote, anger is not inherently destructive. My anger can be a force for good. My anger can be creative and imaginative seeing a better world that doesn't yet exist. It can fuel a righteous movement toward justice and freedom. Woo! Oh, I, was, <laughs> I know. I want to read it like six more times. I know. Times. I know. <laughs> can you give parents who are listening some ideas yes. in how to help kids understand this incredibly important concept? Yes. So I, I actually think the story that I gave earlier, hopefully is helpful, mm. that when I was in elementary school, right, I saw a kid who was being left out and that made me angry. Mm. Yeah. Now yeah. options, here's things that I could have done, right? I could have pounced on those kids. I could have beaten them up. Mm. I could have told the teacher. I could have joined in. 
like there were lots of options. But the way I chose to channel my anger mm. was to get up very loudly, I might add. <laughs> like, this was, this was, <laughs> there was nothing subtle about it. Okay, <laughs> To get up very loudly, plop my tray down back on the table next to him mm. and make clear with my body that there is another way to be. Mm. And there is no difference when it comes to the pursuit of racial justice. First of all, that injustice should make you angry. Yes. Mm. That's an appropriate response. Yes. Mm. If you're not angry, we have to have a whole different conversation. Mm -hmm. So I want you to be angry. I want you to be upset that there are education disparities. I want you to be upset that there are wealth disparities. I want you to be upset that there are health disparities. Mm. These things should make you angry. Anytime you find inequality, that should make you angry. Mm. Amen. The question then becomes, what will you do with that anger? Sometimes, if I can just like make this historical really fast, sometimes when we think about the civil rights movement, which we all praise, right? We all, mm. we all think that was a righteous and just yes, movement. Right. <laughs> we don't talk about the participants as people who were angry. Yeah. And I think it's because we really like that they were singing songs like We Shall Overcome because they were so well-dressed, because their posture of nonviolence. But please be assured mm. <laughs> that these are people who were tired and angry yes. about sitting in the back of the bus, tired and angry about separate water fountains, tired and angry about having no recourse in the justice system, tired and angry about being swept up into criminal justice. What did they do with that anger? They protested. Mm. Mm. So whenever we find that we are angry, that anger is not bad in and of itself. It tells us that something is wrong mm. and that we could make it right. Mm. The only question is, will we? Ooh, that's a great statement. Mm. Yes. We talk in our counseling practice with kids and parents really so much about arming ourselves with truth. Yes. And we talk about how truth kind of counteracts a lot of worry and a lot of different things that can go on in our lives. What would you say is yes. a truth that helps you when you start to get worried in life, but specifically as a parent? <laughs> I honestly think that probably the number one thing that I say is that I am human. Mm. I'm human. It just encapsulates so much truth, right? Like I really want to be superwoman. I really want to be Wonder Woman. I really want to do it all. I want to be the perfect mom. I want to be a great wife. I want to show up for my friends. I want to be a great boss. I want to write four more books, right? Like I really <laughs> want, but I'm just human. And there has to be grace for that. Yes. It is my door, right? Is the door I open mm. to not be so hard on myself mm. for not cooking and just using DoorDash for <laughs> forgetting that bath time, yeah. right? For that email getting lost, for mm. not responding to my child the way that I, in my mind, was like, oh, this is going to be a great moment. And then it wasn't, you know, mm. <laughs> like nice. I have to remind myself that I am human. Mm. And sometimes that really sucks because I'm like, 
Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I want to be more. Mm. I want to be more than human. Mm. But human is what I am. Mm. Austin, you are a delight and a wonder. Yes, we do not want this to end. I know. We could keep you Mm. trapped in this conversation for (laughs) days, not just hours, days, but we won't do that. We are simply going to hope that our paths intersect with Mm. yours again Mm, in the near future because it's been a gift. But we like to end with something fun and food related, which is we Mm. talk a lot about parenting. We also talk a lot about food on this podcast, (laughs) too, though it is a parenting podcast. We want to ask you a two-part question. Part one is queso or guacamole. And then part two is, what is your favorite taco? I could eat cheese as a meal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Every day for the rest of my entire life. It is a love so deep that my child has inherited it. Mm. And when we do make tacos or anything else involving shredded cheese, he wants me to just hand him the bag of cheese (laughs) so he can just eat. Uh, He will come steal the cheese off my taco. I mean, it is the real problem in this house. So we're going to go with queso for sure. And then I love a shrimp taco. I love a shrimp taco. Oh, my goodness. It's making me hungry right now. I know it is. (laughs) It is. Well, shifting from tacos, I I was thinking when you were talking a minute ago, Henry Nowen Mm -hmm. is one of my favorite authors. I don't know if you've read him. And and one of the things he says that I remember is whatever is most personal is most universal. Yes. Toni Morrison has a similar, she writes about a similar concept when people ask her, like, why have her books resonated? And she says, well, because in that specificity, right, the specificity Mm. of this very Black, often Southern experience, right, that there is this universal experience that we have. Yes. I love that. Which is what you're bringing to the world. I mean, what you were talking about, about being human, paves the way for all of us to be human. And I think your your movement and your heart and your passion for racial justice has sure helped enlighten all of us. Today, for me, certainly, just so grateful for your wisdom and your heart that comes through in a conversation with you. Oh, I'm so grateful to have this conversation. I, I know that I'm not your average anti-racist educator, so <laughs> oh, <laughs> I appreciate that yes, you all you allow me to gift. show up the way that I am. Oh, you're just delightful. And <laughs> we're going to send you some books. It. Yes, we are. Please do. And hope we get to Please connect do. with books you again. coming your way. And come to Nashville, and we'll find you a great shrimp taco, okay? Yes. <laughs> Please. I live in Michigan. So, you know, the seafood, you know, it's, yeah. I mean, Michigan is doing what it can, but yeah, being shipped in a little say. ways. Yeah. Yes, please. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yes. It's our joy to bring the experience and insight we gain through our work beyond the walls of the Daystar House. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share it with your friends. And don't forget to click the follow button in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. To learn more about our parenting resources or to see if we're coming to a city near you, visit our website at RaisingBoysAndGirls.com. Join us next time for more help and hope as you continue your journey of raising boys and girls.